The following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hello and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage and grow your small business. I'm Spencer. I'm Cherie. And in today's episode, we're going to run through the most common mistakes that people make when starting a new venture and how to avoid them. By the end of this episode, you'll be able to follow a four-step approach to confidently launch a new business or startup, as we believe lessons learned should be lessons shared. So today, we're going to talk about something that is a bit exciting and a little bit sad at the same time. Um, Something we had to pause, something we're going to do this year, but unfortunately, we're going to have to do it or we're going to do it next year. So it's all good. Um, the co-action project. I think you're just as excited about the co-action project as I am because it's it's all around the culture of innovation and, and, and bringing ideas. But essentially the co-action project is an eight-week program where we help people who have got an idea for a business essentially take that through to market. And that looks at different things like identifying their why, exploring the idea further, uh, validating the idea, building their MVP, and then preparing for launch within an eight-week period, which is quite quick, but it's, it's doable. That kind of leads me into like a stat you mentioned the other day. Mm, that, that 60% of businesses fail in their first three years. Terrible. I thought it used to be five years, so that's not good. What was that other stat that you had? Oh, the one that 42% of businesses fail because there's no market need for their product. So I think that one's interesting because that's actually one of the areas that we touch on in the co-action project. There's 42% of startups that fail because there's no market need for the product. And that takes us right into exactly what we're going to talk about today, which is what are the things that people can do to avoid making mistakes when they're starting their new venture in order to put them in a way that they're going to launch with, with a likelihood of success. So we're going to start first with the why. Now there's two parts to this part, to, to this why. The first is why do you want to be in business? And the second is, is why do you want to be in this business? And I think both of those are really important to unpack. People seem to have this um, romanticized view about what it actually is like to be in business. So I think that this question is really about the why do you want to be in business really asks you to take a deep dive look at yourself and to see whether you've got the characteristics that are actually that are needed um, to be able to bring a business to launch. Because it's one of the hardest things that you're going to do, let alone run it. Has that been your experience? Yeah, for sure. I only went into marketing because I thought that you could drink whiskey at lunchtime um, like madmen, but. <laughs> no. How'd that pan out for you? <laughs> Not good. That's a whole nother thing needs to be unpacked another day. <laughs> and I guess the second aspect is, is you know, why, why do you want to be in this business? I mean, as we've touched on before, small business is hard, yet it's incredibly rewarding. So you need to know that you're going to have that drive to get up for the next, like next couple of mornings, but maybe the next, you know, three years as well, while you're beginning to get this business off the ground. It's the driver, right? hundred percent. And I think we have touched on that before. If money is your only driver, it's not going to last very long. It's not going to get you up on some of those days where you know it's going to be a tough day or there's tough decisions or there's a mountain of work to do. Um, you need a better why. Totally. You, you need a better reason. And I think that that can only come from you. And one of the things that we generally ask people to do when we're sort of going through this process is just ask them to write it down because really the writing is the action part of the thinking and you need to be able to get your ideas about these sort of things 
down on paper because if you can't categorize your thoughts well enough to write it down in a structured way, how on earth are you ever going to be able to explain your idea then that in a way that others are going to un understand? What was the first why again? Why do you want to be in business? Yes. So like the personal why. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, I imagine for me going into business, my why, I, I like the flexibility. Um, and I like the opportunity. I How mean, about yourself, Sri? What what makes you want to be in business? What, what's your why? Oh, I just can't imagine actually going and working for a job anymore. Like it's the it's the challenge. Every day is different. It's waking up and getting to work with great clients for the most part on work that I still like even 20 years down the track, like I enjoy doing. Yep. You know, I mean, that's part of a driver. Um, obviously, it's nice, the financial aspect to it. Uh, the work-life balance is definitely something I've been working on over the last 12 months. I mean, I think, you know, you're never going to be perfect. It's always going to be a work in progress. It just is what it is. Um, even th when I think I've got my stuff squared away, something will come up and it's not. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is, you know. And that that was, I mean, my, my why, it, I mean, Henry asked me that years ago and it took me six months to actually come up with an answer. And yep. obviously having the tools that I've got now helps me answer that so much faster. But, I mean, it is, it's always comes back to, to that part. Like why do you want a business and then why do you want to stay in business? Yeah. You know, but when you're first starting out, I think that that's actually a really good question just because it's really going to help you frame up your reasons. And like you said, that there's two parts to that why and, and the second part, why that business? I think people need to spend some time on that as well because, yeah, I mean, that's the whole, the whole thing there, isn't it? Um, totally. And it ties back into those statistics. Like, let's be honest, like why that business? It's more than just your personal why and attachment to that business. It's why that business. So if 42% fail because there's no market need for that product, it sort of says that you do need a process to be able to test and validate the idea before you even start thinking about the sexy part of, well, what do you, what does your brand look like or what's it going to look like on a T-shirt? You know, I mean, that fundamental aspect of what's this business? What's it going to do for me? Why this business? And then being able to actually test the assumptions that you're putting in behind why that business? I mean, that's the really important part. And that's, you know, there's the second step, because we said we'd, we promised four today. The second step is to test and validate your idea. And that just is basically a, I guess, a preliminary assessment to test whether your thinking process about the idea is actually a good one. So just like, I guess, to unpack that a little bit more, it would be to think about that in the context of five key areas, you know, what's your value proposition? Like, what is it that you're trying to sell and what makes what you're proposing to sell incredibly unique? It's your team. So who who are you putting together to help deliver this? Your competition. How are you going to make money? And your target market. So, I mean, those are all the key areas that you kind of need to be able to build in as part of the starter of a business model to see whether the idea that you've got is actually going to make any sort of, you know, financially viable sense. It's interesting coming from a marketing background that like some of those things, like say your target market, how you're going to sell, what channels and, and things like that are, are things that we might tackle. But the amount of people that get to us, like I guess after having, should have considered these things before, 
to get to that MVP stage or, you know, then to build the product. But they're all the way down to trying to market this product and then tackling who's going to buy it, how they're going to sell it type questions. Like they should have been done much earlier um, when they were developing that product Mm. or developing whatever it is, the product service or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And And it doesn't even exist that... I've seen people come in or I've had people come in with an idea. Um, I guess they validated it with their parents or, like, or maybe a couple of friends. So totally objective assessments. Yeah, definitely. And I don't think they even, maybe they never heard of Google and didn't do any like just a basic search and the, the product already existed. There was a lot of time, money and energy put into something that was already successful. So then it's, trying to work out, like you say, going back to your, MV, uh, your US, your, your value proposition or how is that going to be better than something that already exists? How much better is it? Like, uh, and how, how are you placed to then enter a competitive space if you want to continue with that idea or product? And that's the other aspect to that too, really, isn't it? When you've got a new idea, you're actually competing against people's choice to do nothing. Yeah. So you know, trying to get them to actually make the decision to use your product in the first instance can be hard, yet you're if you're working in a place where they're already solution aware and product aware, then you're competing against a competitor with a, with a brand name that's probably, you know, solidified their space, you know. And then that brings us to number three is building an MVP. So an MVP is just the minimum viable product. And oftentimes we're asked, like, what, how small does the M need to be in order for it to qualify as being a minimal viable product? And the question is, is that there's no real answer to that. I mean, basically, this is about design of experiments and moving through different sizes of experiments. And as you move up, the experiments will get a little bit longer. They'll probably become a bit more expensive, but you'll have a greater level of Um, I guess, reliability on the outcomes of those tests to know whether you've got a product that's likely to succeed in the marketplace. Definitely. I think you you just said then like they get more expensive, but then you got to think also like that that's a relative thing, isn't it? Like expensive to what? So like, you you know, if you spent $5,000 on an experiment now, yeah, that could be expensive, but it's a lot better than wasting a hundred thousand dollars or mortgaging your home on something that you know that the potential loss down the track is going to be far greater than than that experiment and hopefully i guess as you say you're building up in size through those experiments the investment of say if that five that you know whatever that figure is ten thousand dollars on that particular experiment has been validated almost by the previous experiment so it's not just like a gamble again like you, you you've got to that point where you're like no, I think this is working or we need to do this and it's a worthwhile investment. Absolutely. So, and it's a structured approach. Like you, yeah. it's, you treat it like a science experiment. You have a hypothesis, you run the experiment and you review the learnings that come from it and then you either take the product and you adapt it or you continue forward into the next experiment. But everything you're trying to take away, some level of learning about what it is that you can do better. Yeah. One thing I um, noticed, I guess, over time when people come in with an idea they're super excited and they sort of jump in feet first. And I think the concept, the the idea of going through some of these steps beforehand, you know, is not something they'd want to do because the excitement, the, I mean, the, the high levels of excitement, the jumping in, registering domain names, getting logos designed, probably focusing on the wrong areas at that point in time. 
I guess what would your experience with clients that would come through to you? Yeah, I mean, we've got some stories around those for sure. I mean, like you, we're often pitched with, oh, I've got this great idea, do you know an investor? Because obviously we work on the money side. And the reality is is that you look at some of these things and they're essentially a brain fart on a piece of paper. Yep. There's no structured thought behind it. There's no logic about what it is that's behind it or how they're going to turn it into a profitable enterprise. Because at the heart of it, a startup is simply a business model searching for validation. Whereas a business is something that the, the model's been verified and now you're trying to run with it and build it into something bigger or, or to scale it. But some of the things that we've seen come through, you just, yeah, you, you really don't have words. I mean, a couple of ones that I can think of was uh, a person undertaking a course and then choosing to bring in products overseas, from overseas to, to Australia. And these were children's products. And Clearly, there hadn't been a whole lot of thought that had gone into it. I mean, the, the basis of their assessment was is that there was good money to be made because they looked exactly like another premium brand. And so one of the first questions that we ask is, okay, so have, has this got, you know, legal approval? Is it Does it meet the Australian design characteristics? And this is a children's product. So certainly there's a higher level of requirement that you'd be certainly looking at something like that. And the answer was no. Hmm. They hadn't even considered that. So then the immediate next question is, is oh, my goodness, have you sold any of these things? <laughs> Which you, they had. Covered? <laughs> and it's like, okay, have you Recall got them? product indemnity insurance? Have you discussed this with a broker? And the answer was no. And it's, uh, you can't you can't help that. Um, so that's almost going back to the why. Their why was literally a financial, find something that we can mark up and sell quickly. Mm. So not, I don't know what their model was, but perhaps not a, long time like a sustainable business it would be like a an in and out type thing perhaps yeah and that comes down to i think a lot of the shiny new object stuff are you building a business that's going to be around long term or is it something that's really a business built around a product which might be something incredibly short term yeah again the why why are you doing it mm. yeah it's a big driver that one for sure and i guess that that leads us into our, our last one which is the, the fourth is to prepare for launch like so you've now got your why, you know your idea, you've tested and validated. Okay, so now what are the steps to order to launch the actual product or the business to the marketplace? And then this is sometimes where other people can fall apart a little bit as well. So it's things like your intellectual property. It's having sure, making sure that the legals are taken care of. Do you have your branding right? Are the promises that you're making as part of your sales process reflected in the branding and how you're going to deliver it? It's up building a whole go-to-market strategy how are you going to get paid, the processes around getting payment. I mean, these are all things. And then that's before you even come to the practical stuff of, okay, I've got this business, I'm ready to launch. All right. Finding people to help make all that happen. Totally. You know, and then what comes first? It's like a chicken and an egg. I mean, you see a lot of like advice on the internet and a lot of it's like, oh, go and start a, a you know, go and open a bank account and then register a business name and then choose your structure. But how do you open the bank account without your business? That's the first thing the bank asks you for, your company documents. Absolutely. Depending on your structure. but You know, so things become a bit arse about. And, I mean, you do know that sometimes things have to happen concurrently. Like when you're going to register a domain name, for example, you need to have a, a card to be able to pay for it. Okay, yeah, you need a bank account, but which comes first? So, yep. you know, and even things on the marketing side, being able to secure the different properties that you might need to with your business name. Yeah, 
yeah, for sure. So if you, you come up with your brand name, but then you also want to go and check different social channels, make sure that you can get those names and um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I guess, uh, what else, Pinterest, um, plus your domain names. And then you've got the different .com, .au's, .coms, and now there's a whole bunch of different ones that have come out from .agency, .tv, Radio, like you name it. So, how, yeah, how do you protect that? Do you have to go and buy them all to stop a competitor coming along and um, trying to register, like trying to, I don't know, and then undermine you? The, the legal aspects of that, the similar names. Yeah. So you might have a name in Australia, but is it similar to one in the States? Are you intending to operate in the United States or the United Kingdom? Do they have trademark rights over that? I mean, these are all things that you need to unpack as part of being able to prepare for launch properly. Yeah. Before you, yeah, it becomes a lot more expensive to have to rebrand once you've, and then relaunch because you haven't done the homework beforehand. Definitely. I find the why part of it interesting as well. So I had a client many years ago and she wanted to start a business, which she didn't know really anything about that particular industry, but she ended up becoming very, very successful, but it was driven by her why. The why was strong enough that um, people ended up getting invested in her idea and then made it grow. I won't mention brands or anything, but essentially she had three young children and a lot of the head lice um, treatments that you get for the kids are, are quite toxic and are horrible. So she did a bit of research and found and come up with like a an idea for like a natural head lice treatment using sort of olive oils and essential oils and things like that which essentially she ended up opening up a pharmaceutical, starting a pharmaceutical company. And it was a whole new different thing for her. She was a, a single mum going into something new, but the why was that strong and why she wanted to do it, that it enabled her to build this company. Um, she had a, um, a, a come on board who was able to develop the, the product for her, help her put it together but now she sells that through Coles, Woolworths I think she's um, in pharmacies in the UK she's got international reading a book I think she does talking I haven't spoken to her for a long time but it's just really interesting like the why was that strong that she wanted to create something that was not toxic for children um, that it enabled her to build something like that from a little town. One question on the MVPs what would you say to people who, you know, they're super excited about their idea, they're in the process of doing it, they kind of know they need to test it or they do want to validate it so they can keep moving forward, but they're concerned with sharing the idea that it could get stolen. How how could people still test it and not kind of alleviate that fear, I guess? That, Reduce that fear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's a question that comes up quite a bit. And the answer really will be driven by you and how strongly you feel about the connection to that product. Obviously, if you think that you have a patentable idea, so something that needs long-term security of you know, intellectual property protection, absolutely speak to a patent attorney. They are specialists in that area and they'll tell you whether they've you've got an idea that's worthy of a patent or not. If that's the case, go that way because you that's indefeasible, right? Because if, if you were to share that in a public place, it's, it's no longer patentable, is it? It's my understanding that that is correct, yes. Yeah. So there's specific Obviously, rules. Obviously, people need to get advice on that. Yeah, there's specific rules that 
are about like what can be in the public space space yep. for it to still remain a patentable idea. Yeah. However, you and I really, we've talked about this quite a lot and we subscribe to the more Eric Reese approach of if all you have is secrecy in order to bring it to the market, you probably don't have much of a product and you're likely to get overrun by competitors pretty quickly. Yeah. But if you've got something that's a product that's sustainable, then you'll actually get such a better impact out of the learning. So the build, measure and learn feedback loop than you will about trying to have that security over the idea right from the start. Yeah. I think I remember reading that chapter as well. And if speed to market's all you had, then you don't have much of an idea. Mm -hmm. But he also, I think he goes into a bit where he's sort of saying if, if you actually went to a competitor and, and gave them your idea, they're probably far too busy developing their own products and ideas to even worry about your idea yeah, pretty you know, much. it would take them months anyway to get to that point point. and ideas are easy it's yeah. the execution that's hard yeah you know it's taking that idea and making it into an actionable thing that's that's whether you have a business or not yeah so just to wrap up today we've covered the four like i guess key areas or a four-step approach to really being able to look at um, launching a business or the things that you could should consider and that's like making sure that your why is solid to test and validate your idea, to build your MVP and to prepare for launch. And that and taking a new idea and turning it into something that is potentially going to be a, a life-changing small business, I mean, that's something that we're all for. Well, the great news is anyone that wants to go through this project, uh, this process in a, in a structured way can join the Co-Action Project. We'll put a link to the, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can jump on there, have a look in your own time and register for the next event. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favourite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.